The prophet Samuel spent his childhood in the temple. His mom, Hannah, dropped him off on the front steps when he was just a toddler, we learn in the book of Samuel. This was part of the deal that Hannah made with God when she had prayed for a baby. She told God, if you give me a baby, I'll dedicate him to you. So the boy Samuel lived there among the scribes and the leaders at the temple. And Eli, the old priest, taught him and looked out for him. Eli, whose figurative eyesight was growing dim, helped Samuel discern his calling. One night, a voice woke up Samuel in the dark, calling his name. Samuel, Samuel. To which the boy replied, here I am. As he ran to Eli, here I am, for you called me. As this interaction plays out four times, one begins to hope for young Samuel that it is someone nearby calling him and that he's not hearing voices. But it's bad news for Samuel. Eli discerns that it is God's voice Samuel is hearing, and God has chosen the boy to deliver a scathing message, not just to his friend and mentor Eli, but to the whole house of Eli, to all of God's people. The message is that there's corruption and inequality everywhere and that the religious people needed to change their ways. Samuel didn't want to do it. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, it says. Samuel didn't choose to grow up in the temple. He didn't choose to hear voices in the middle of the night. And he didn't choose to become a prophet, a priest, and a judge. Like the boy Samuel, Martin Luther King Jr., whose birthday we remember tomorrow, also hesitated. King also experienced doubt and fear. In December of 1955, King was a 26-year-old minister, only one year into the job at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. December 1st, 1955 was the day that police arrested Rosa Parks for refusing to give up her seat on a public city bus to a white passenger. The Montgomery bus boycott that followed Park's arrest was not King's idea. When King learned about the plan, he hesitated. He wondered if retaliation would be unchristian. He considered that the boycott could be unethical if it shut down the whole public transportation system, depriving riders of the buses they relied upon to get to their jobs. King later wrote, upon further reflection. I came to see that what we were really doing was withdrawing our cooperation from an evil system rather than merely withdrawing our support from the bus company. The basic aim was to refuse to cooperate with evil. But the truth was, at the time, he struggled with these things. He struggled with these questions, even as he offered a room in the church basement where he worked so that the organizers of the boycott could gather and plan. To King's surprise, on the afternoon of December 5th, just a few days later, the boycott organizers, who called themselves the Montgomery Improvement Association, elected him as the group's president. That was at 6 p.m., and there was a mass meeting scheduled for 7 p.m. So King raced home to write a speech and to tell Coretta, his wife, who was taking care of their new baby. Coretta said she would support him in whatever he did. He told her in response that he didn't have time to eat dinner. 
Now, typically it took, <clears throat> excuse me, typically it took King 15 hours to prepare a sermon. For this talk, which was the first political speech of his career, he had 20 minutes in total to prepare. He spent five of those 20 minutes having a panic attack. Then 15 minutes later, his friend Elliot came by in the car to pick him up and drive him to the church where there were 5,000 black citizens of Montgomery waiting for someone to say something. I want to tell you this evening, King said as he looked out on the crowd, that it is not enough for us to talk about love. Love is one of the pinnacle parts of the Christian faith. There is another side called justice. And justice is really love in calculation. Justice is love correcting that which would work against love. His words helped ignite the civil rights movement as we know now. But at the time of that hastily written speech, King had professed a desire. He had hoped to become a college professor. That was his dream. But as he rallied the crowd of 5,000 that day, and as he stepped down from the pulpit, he must have realized that he had a different calling. Like Samuel, he was hesitant, he was afraid, but he accepted that call. After he was elected president of the Montgomery Improvement Association, King started to receive vicious threats. Late in the evening of 1957, alone in his kitchen, the phone rang and he received a terrible threat which I won't go into detail here about. Standing there shaking, King says that he heard God's voice say to him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness. Stand up for justice. God was with him. Now as the Montgomery bus boycott gained steam, a reclusive Montgomery City librarian by the name of Juliet Morgan watched with interest Morgan was a seventh-generation white Southerner whose family had tremendous wealth. As the empty city buses rolled by, Morgan's spirit was stirred, and she wrote a letter to the local newspaper in support of the boycott. One feels that history is being made in Montgomery these days, Morgan wrote, the most important history in Montgomery's career. After the newspaper published her letter, Morgan lost her friends and then her job because the city withdrew the funding for her position at the public library. Much later, after her death, actually at her funeral at St. John's Episcopal Church in Montgomery, Alabama, segregation was still in effect in that church. And so the white mourners and the black mourners sat in different parts of the church. But after her death, people came to realize that she had been right. Her story amounts to just what is basically a footnote in King's giant biography. And Morgan's story is more ordinary, but we do need to tell stories like Juliet Morgan's because her intellectual flexibility was courageous and spirit breathed and she did something so brave. King drew close to Jesus as he helped pass the Civil Rights Acts of 1964, 1965, and 1968, Martin Luther King followed Jesus as he spoke out against the Vietnam War. And by keeping his focus on Jesus, King won over the country, won over the conscience of our country, 
as it was at, during a time in which it was potentially more divided even than it is today. All three of these individuals, the prophet Samuel, Martin Luther King Jr., and Juliet Morgan, they all had epiphanies, their own epiphanies, and they all hesitated. They all took risks. Their stories are more to us than just of theological or historical interest, but they offer us companionship and guidance along our way. Most of us hopefully don't hear voices in the middle of the night, but we do have God's word proclaimed among us. And God's word, as John's gospel puts it so beautifully, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God is with us now and knows each one of us deeply. As the psalmist puts it, God has known us since we were being knit together in our mother's womb. God knows our blind spots. God knows where we hesitate to move forward about change and progress. Back to Samuel. Samuel needed the old priest Eli. He needed his wisdom to help him interpret that it was God indeed calling his name. And Eli also needed Samuel to help reform his people. We need those who have gone before us. Sometimes we might begin to feel that the best days of the church live in the past, like in the days of Samuel or Martin Luther King Jr. or Juliet Morgan. But that would just be nostalgic. And nostalgia is, is just a feeling. It's not an idea. It's fixed and it's not flexible. This place, our church, it's a place where ideas and change and opportunities for taking risks abound among us. It's one of the very few places left, I think, where people who hold different, very different political views can sit next to one another and say the same things at the same time. As we learn from Samuel and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Juliet Morgan, let's move together and follow Jesus. Jesus was moving forward when he called those disciples. Let's move together and remember that God is with us too.